when you see me standing up here, it, it, I'm not standing here alone. There's people that throughout the years, I've been a Christian now for 36 years. And so when I stand up here, I have, I have my spiritual grandfather, Cleddy Keith. When I think about faith, he's standing here with me. I think about someone who has tenacity. It's my pastor, Pastor Jacob Aranza. That, you know, and it's like, you can't, you can't, let me just say this. You can't choose the things that you go through, but you can choose the people that you walk with. How many of you I'm talking about? How many of you have had trials? How many of you have had hard times? When I heard someone say this, you know, 10% of life is what you go through. 90% is how you respond to the things that you go through. And so this morning, what I do is I just want to talk to you this morning. I'm going to share some, you know, and, and there are people that have poured their lives into me. And that's, you know, I think about who am I? I'm kind of like the old Verizon commercial. And you remember they'd go up there and they'd get him in. He said, it's not me, it's the network. And there'd be all these people standing behind him. And how many of you know that we don't, you don't make it to heaven by yourself? You don't, I mean, I know this, people that are successful business people didn't get there by themselves. They had other people come along and help them and give them advice, give them encouragement, give them counsel. And it's the same way with any of us. I've heard people, he's a self-made man. Well, God bless him. Because you know what? I believe this. And you know what? You can't do anything by yourself well. And many of us need to have people that are willing to speak into our lives. Amen. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to, there's a scripture and it's, it's a real simple, short verse. And this is what I'm going to talk about this morning. It's in Jude and it's uh, verse 22. There's no chapter. This is Jude and it's verse 22. And some have compassion making a difference. I'm going to say it again. And some have compassion making a difference. I often thought that I could make a difference in this world. Have you ever felt that like, who, who am I? Can I really make a difference how many of you ever feel that way? Like, not me. I mean, you know, if you really saw me, who I really am or what I've come through, there's no way that I can make a difference. But I, I know if you, can make a di- if, if you can make a difference in your world, maybe God can help. God can use us to make a difference in this world. Does that make sense? And see, I, I want to talk to you about making a difference. Because I believe that there's, you can make a difference, especially during this season. I went out, I remember... When I was uh, young and I was looking for direction, I had an opportunity to go be a youth pastor. I just finished Bible college. I was in Oklahoma City, and I went out to this field in this park, and I began to pray because I had an opportunity to go back and work with my pastor, Pastor Jacob, going to Sweden and England and the Philippines. There were some things that were opening there. I could go and be a, a youth pastor in Watahatchee, Texas, or I could go be a part of this ministry that Tracy and I were actually a part of. And our, I, I could just figure out, ask God what he wanted me to do. And I remember I had an application for me to go and to fill out. And, and I had all these papers. And I just, I remember just being in that field late at night, it's clear night. And I just threw the papers on the ground. I got on my knees and said, God, what do you, I have all these, I begin to tell God, God, I have this, I have this, I have these opportunities. And, you know, people, I feel pressure on some things that people want me to do this, but God, it's not about what they want me to do. It's God, what do you want me to do? And God began to speak to me and I ended up being a part of the ministry. And I was there eight and a half years working in inner cities all across America. I mean, I, I lived in mission uh, stations, mission homes, Salvation Army places, houses that were vacant that we talked to the realtor. To, we let, let us stay in there and we'd sleep in sleeping bags and just different things. And we travel. And I did. I mean, I, I've, I've ministered in college campuses, bus stops, 
in, in abandoned buildings, prayed for people, seen people's lives, Lily get changed and, 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 and Lily getting set free by Jesus. People that people would put a never on their lives. How many of you know God never puts a never on anybody ever? Only people do. And, and just seeing people like that and, you know, uh, really give their lives. Away. So I just want to say this. If you're looking for direction, you got to, first of all, you got to know that you have a call of God on your life. Say when we say a call. Okay, are y'all with me this morning? I know it's early, it's been cold, but it's going to warm up, I promise. And, and you got to have a call and you got to have some compassion. You know, what I mean by compassion, it doesn't mean that you know everything. It doesn't matter you experience everything. I have a guy that I know that ran in a race this past, this, this week, and he lost the race. But he, I know him, so I texted him. And he's feeling bad about what he said, but just, and I said, I'm praying for you, have compassion for you. And he writes back, he says, just pray. For, it's not about me, it's pray for my family. They just don't understand. And, and I just said, you know, and I just, just want to let you know, I don't understand everything you're going through, but I will pray for you and your family. And that's what compassion is. There's times when I walked through cancer for five years and ran, ran into people and, and they'd give them a diagnosis that they're not going to be better. You know what I'm saying? You just have compassion. Tracy and I have a, a, a dear friend of ours that she's in stage four and God gave me a word as I was praying one, one morning. I just read my Bible and the Bible and God began to speak to me. He said, I want you to go and I want you to tell Josette when you go and see her at Lafayette General, she, go tell her, fear not and believe. And she had a cracked pelvis and she hadn't walked in like five days. And they were telling her she wasn't going to walk again. And so I walked in the room and she began to cry. She goes, oh, Bubba, because she knows what I'd walked through. And I and went in there and I just began to encourage her and speak to her. And I said, I don't know what you're going through. She said, but you know more about what I'm going through than most. And I just began to pray with her. And, and I shared that word with her. And she said they came in and, and she said, I took that word. And then, you know, I didn't know this, but one of our guys that are in our Jennings church is, is over the whole floor that she's on. And, I, and he called me, he said, I heard you came, Pastor. And he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to take care of your girl. Because when I walked in, I saw the nine-year-old girl that I've known her for, you know, longer than I've been married, longer than I've been a Christian. When she was nine years old, she's 47 now, okay? And just remember what she was as a little girl. And she walked out of that place walking. And believing and trusting God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and just, you know, sometimes you go, how do I share that with someone? You got to have compassion. I remember just as I was praying for, I just began to rub her head and, and caress her hair. And I, as I prayed, I just, when I just went there, I said, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Just said, Jesus loves you. And as she began to cry, I began to have tears in my eyes because I felt the tangible presence of God come in the room. You see, if you got to have, you got to be able to, and listen, when if you begin to do what God wants you to do, you're going to learn to communicate. May, you might not be able to communicate behind a pulpit. Maybe that might not be your call, but your, God's going to open up opportunities for you to communicate with people. And I believe that you'll, God begins to build your character. And so uh, God opens many doors in our lives by other people. So if you want to have a legacy, the first thing you have to have is this. Listen to me. You have to have a sense of humor. A sense of, you know what? If you don't believe that people are, uh, look funny, just go look in the mirror yourself. 
How many of you know we got some funny looking people in this world? I'm not going to tell you, you look to the left or the right, but you can kind of peek and see that. You know, I, I just believe this. When you go through life in adversity, you have to learn to laugh at yourself. Hello. Sometimes people can't laugh at themselves, and it's sad. I remember as, as a young person, I was trying to get this, this forearm stock off of this shotgun that I have, and, and I, I, I was trying to clean it, and, and, and I, I was kind of trying to pull it, you know, and it wouldn't come. And I remember I'm just like, dang, why won't this forearm stock come off? And I go, what's that little love? And I just, I mean, I pop myself, and I got a scar right here. And then if you were, if I had a video, it was funny. You know what I mean? At the time, it wasn't funny, but it was funny. You know, there are times that I've done stuff. I remember one time I looked at my wife and said, I said, instead of going, I'm going to go mail a letter. I was talking real fast. I'm going to go mail a letter. You know, and she just looked at me, started laughing at me. Said, what? And then, you know, there's just certain things. How many of you talking about? And see, some of you, even right now, you're too serious to even smile and laugh. You've got to learn to have a sense of humor because people want to know if you're real. You're going to leave a legacy. You know, it it pays to have a sense of humor. The second thing, everybody needs to have a compelling dream. What does that mean? A dream will lift you out, out out of yourself and into something greater than yourself. How many of you know if you just look at yourself all the time, it's easy to have a pity party? Hello, let's do the thumb examination. Put your thumb out like this. Look at your thumb. If all you do is look at the thumb represents you. If all you do is look at yourself, everything else around you is blurry. But if you get your eyes off yourself and begin to look beyond that, everything begins to come in focus, even though you still may be there and your problems. But God is there to help you as long as you begin to focus off yourself and begin to focus on others. Amen. You see, I believe this. There, there are people in this building, you have a dream. You have a desire. You, you would be willing to give your life for this dream if you, were, if you were sure it was not your dream, but it was God's dream. How do you know, uh, Pastor? How do you know if it's God's dream? I love coming to Eunice because y'all ask me great questions every time I come. You see, it's big, it has to be bigger than you. Your dream. See, it's, is it so big that if you put it Put it off. Everyone knows it was God. You know, see, I believe this because you're not. Can I just say something? You just ain't that hot. Neither am I. And what do you mean that by that, Pastor Bubba? I I believe if God gives you a dream, he gets the glory in the end, not you. You see, you know, if Steven Spielberg makes a movie and he spends a hundred million dollars, you know, that people will say, well, that's okay because... That, it's movies. Or if, if, if you go to, how do you know that Jerry Jones built the new stadium in Dallas, Texas for a billion dollars? But you go, that's okay. It's for the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. They're not my team, but they're the rest of America's team. And we're, we're not, if you're pulling for the Saints, they're the Aints again. You know what I mean? Brown bags are fixing to come out. But I just believe this is it. You know, well, that's that's what they do in Las Vegas right now. They're building a new casino that's going to be it's going to cost two billion, not million, two billion dollars. And people just go, well, that's OK. That's what they do in Vegas. But you let a pastor or a man of God have a big dream and people say they're crazy. And what happens is, you know what? They might need some humility. 
They just, you know, the pastors who are going to reach communities, like Pastor Jamie and Cheryl, you know what? If you're going to do that as a church, if you're going to have movers and shakers come to this church, you have to have a dream that's bigger than yourself. Hello? And it's got to be for those people because we have a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above what we think and what we ask. I believe this is that if we're going to have movers, I was in Louisville a couple of months ago and the Lord began to speak to me. And he said this, he said, Baba, what do you believe that's impossible? And I began to share some things. I thought about each campus. I thought about where we are in Jennings. I thought about where you're at in Eunice, where you're at in Crowley. Let me give you an example. Right now we're building in Jennings and we're building and we're building cash for a new children's building. It's been going up just this past month. And I'll just come back and say, we've raised over $70,000 in the month of November just for the building. Isn't that incredible? Wow, I'm glad y'all excited. And then, and then, you know, Crowley, they need a building. They're meeting at the theater. They have one service. They already have two, over 200 people. Think about it. And they've only been going for two, two years, just at two years. You're right here. You go on the two services because you can't fit all the people that are in one service. And you're going to need more land and a new. Hello. Good. I'm glad. It's exciting. Okay. All right. But see, the thing is, is for all of you, I believe you can't. And see what happens when God begins to give you a dream. You can't let it go. Sometimes you got to sometimes you let go of the dream, but the dream won't let go of you. What do you mean by that? Pastor? It's been said if you can keep a dream for five years in your heart. That usually it can come to pass. But most people can't keep a dream for five years. And you say, well, why, why not? Because how many of you know that sometimes discouragement comes in? Not only that, but, 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 but naysayers come and they come, well, we can't afford it. Or, or delays come. That's the big one when delays come. And it doesn't happen. And see, I believe this. I, I believe it will come to pass. The Bible says, if you faint not. You see, the third thing is you got to make every day a masterpiece. John Wooden, who was the greatest coach for basketball, really one of the greatest coaches of all time of any sport, and he won national champion. I think he ran, won 10 in a row at UCLA or 10 out of 11 years, something like that. And he had a great – and he said he was the most winning coach in all of, of college history. And what happened when he was a little boy, his dad used to tell him, he said, son – you got to approach every day like it's a blank canvas. And every day when you go start your day, you, if it's a blank canvas, God's called you to paint a masterpiece every day. And see, what happens is you can't wake up every day. How many of you know that sometimes you wake up and things just don't work out? You wake up on a cold morning, the hot water tank went out. You go and, and, and you, after you've dealt with that, you go start your car and your battery died. And then as you're backing, you get the battery in, you're backing out, you're, you, have, you realize you have a flat tire. I mean, I, you can just go on and on and on and whatever you're facing. But how many know that we all facing, you got to approach every day as a new day. It's God's masterpiece. The next thing you need to know, if, you're gonna, if we're going to leave a legacy, you're going to live a legacy life, you need to enjoy the trip. What do you mean? The joy is not in the destination, but the, the joy is in climbing.
What do you mean? My, my, my son, Matt, who's my third son, has always been adventurous. And he's climbed Mount Shasta a couple of times, other mountains, and done crazy stuff. But when he was a teenager, young teenager, he, he decided to make a treehouse in my yard. And I'd always tell him, you know, I'm going to make one with you. And he got discouraged. I'm not waiting for dad anymore. I'm going to do it myself. So what he did is we had this tree. It's a water oak in my backyard. It has like these knots, like you would climb, like rock climbing kind of knot kind of things. And so what him and his friend Mackenzie did, in order to get to the treehouse, they didn't make steps to get to it. You had to climb the knots. And then they had a platform where they built it, it, it built, and it was probably, I don't know, 25, 30 feet, 20, the first one. Okay, the first one. Okay, mom, mom's correcting me. Okay, and then they decided, you know what, why don't we just go up a little higher? And they didn't just go up higher. They went up to about 70, 60, 70 feet at the top of this tree. Okay, and so what happened is as they're building the treehouse, my wife's going, Bubba, tell them to get down because if they fall, they're going to die. And I looked at him and said, hey, get a rope and tie it around your waist and tie it, okay? Just a dad, you know? And so when people come to my house, people just go, whoa, who built that treehouse? And still, part of it's still standing. And people drive, especially during the, the winter when the, all the leaves begin to fall off the trees, people look at me and they go, I've drove, yeah, I've driven by you. You got that, that perch way in the middle, up top of your tree in your backyard. It, but see, the adventure wasn't just getting there. The adventure was building it and seeing what it was going to be like. See, revival is no fun because when God sends a revival, it cuts, it convicts. And the joy of revival is just in the preparation for revival. It's the prayer. It's the fasting. It's the fellowship. It's touching and believing with one another together what God can do. See, you have to make up your mind to spend time. See, I believe this. You got to enjoy the trip. And for some of you, I mean, I have, Tracy and I have six kids. You know, we have to make up our mind is to enjoy our children and spend time with them. Just like you. You can't go and journey by yourself. You got to be bring people along with you. My wife wants to enjoy the journey with me. Hello. I mean, we started this thing and sometimes when you have lots of kids. You kind of go, I got to stay home, but I want to be there with you. And even though she couldn't be with it, we physically with me, many times she was there with me in spirit. You know, she would rather me take Luke with me to South Africa and her go on a 20, 20 hour plane trip ride. You know what I'm saying? The next thing is whatever you want out of life, you got to learn to give it away. See, if you want joy, give some joy away. Listen, if you walk out of your house today and you were doing this, what you going to give away? If you want peace in your life, you got to give some peace away. If you want, if you want money, you got to be generous and give it, give it. See, if you want friends, the Bible says be friendly. Show yourself friendly. Who wants to be a friend to someone that just every time you walk, hey, how's it? And they walk away. You're not making friends that way. I've had people come to me and I go, they go, well, Pastor, I just ain't got no friends. I said, well, what are you doing to, to kind of get friends? Because honestly. I wouldn't want to be your friend the way you act, the way you talk. Because you're, you're, you, when you talk, it's always something bad and gloomy and doomy. It's like you got the mopes. You ever see a mope person? How's it going? Not too good. How's your marriage? Terrible. I mean, pastor, she's just the worst woman. I mean, pastor, you should see. 
Well, how are you? I'm not much good either. She says, I'm no fun. Well, I wonder why. It's just the mopes. You you see, you know, I heard a story of a lady that she was, uh, she went to her pastor and she was in there and she was in a conference. She said, pastor, I think I'm fixing to have a, I think I'm about to go into a nervous breakdown. And he goes, well, okay. He said, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home and make some cookies. And then I want you to go and give, it, give them away to the convalescent home. And she goes, what? I'm about to have a nervous breakdown and I'm supposed to make cookies? She barged out of the office. For a couple of weeks, he'd always try to see her at church. And every time he'd kind of like, she'd come around the corner, he'd wave, she'd go, mm. When, and then one day what happens is they bumped into each other. And he goes, and she, he goes, and she goes, oh, and he goes, oh, wait, hey, how's that nervous breakdown going for you? She goes, I canceled it. He goes, what do you mean you canceled it? She said, I made the cookies. Nobody has a right to live in self-pity when there's so much hurt in the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the happiest people in this building are the people who are living their lives for others. Others. How many of you saw that movie, uh, The Bucket List? There's two guys dying of cancer and... You know, there's one guy, he's rich, and the other guy's poor, and he begins to write out his bucket list. And as he's writing out his bucket list, he, he begins, you know, he, he, and the rich guy finds it, and he, go, he finds his paper, and he begins to read it. And he goes, he goes, what is this? He goes, oh, man, no, give me that No, He goes, no, no, what, what, what is this? Climb the Himalayas, jump out of a plane, you know, Kiss the most beautiful woman in the world. I mean, he's doing all this stuff. And, and he's like, oh, man. He goes, he goes, let's do it. He says, what do you mean? He goes, I can't afford it. He goes, I got all the money in the world. I have private jets. We can go anywhere. Let's do it. So what do they do? They climb the Himalaya. They jump out of, the, they jump out of a plane. One's forced. <laughs> they find the most beautiful woman in the world. They kiss her. Think about it. I mean, you know, let, let me just say this. I'm living in an adventure. I, I've climbed some mountains, okay, some different ones, some of the highest points in different states. I've never jumped out of a plane because the Bible says, lo, I'm with you always. So I don't need to be jumping out of planes. And I've already kissed the most beautiful woman in the world. That's my wife. And if I kiss another woman, she'll kill me. Are you living your life for others? Are you living in adventure? See, you got to enlarge. The next point is enlarge your circle of love. Anybody that I shut out of my circle of love will hurt me. What do you mean? Anybody I include in my circle of love will never hurt me. I'm so glad God included me and included you in his circle of love. Because, you know, sometimes 
you know, you can meet people there in hard situations and difficult circumstances, and, and they don't know. There might be a girl with an, un, uh, you know, an unwanted pregnancy, and the guy didn't want to take the responsibility. He said he loved her until that happened, and then he's gone. And she's in a situation of a circumstance. She goes, what do I do? And then she thinks about abortion. She thinks about what to do. And, and that's where you need people. And then sometimes if they do that, they feel guilty and they feel shame. But there was no one there in their circle of love to be able to speak to. Them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or sometimes there's a guy that he's about to make a decision and nowhere to go. And, he, and he's trying to figure out life. And then God allows circumstances to take place only to open his eyes to see where he's really walking, what he's really doing. Instead of being motivated, finding comfort through drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. That you have people in your circle of love that love you enough to tell you the truth, even though you don't like it. The Bible says better are the wounds of a friend than rather than the kisses of an enemy. When is the last time you've been a friend? It's when you enlarge your circle of love. Because see, if you love people in your circle, what happens, all you do is that they're going to be the ones that help you when you walk through something. If you're going to leave a legacy, you've got to be there to help people in their pain. The next was never catch up. I, I know this. If I'm going to have a, li- a legacy life and live a life of, with a legacy, it's ne- I'm never going to catch up. It's never going to catch up to your dream. Or I'm never going to catch up to all my dreams. If, there, if I have anything that I, I, if there's any two things I could ever do again in my life and go back, I think I would dream bigger and I'd take bigger risk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I take bigger risks. I remember when we came here, there was a guy named Harry Gomes. He's an Indian uh, minister, and he was here, and he's come different times. And he's the kind of guy that he's prayed for people when they were in their coffin dead. People for you prayed for them, and they got out of their coffin alive. Y'all look at me. It happens still. Okay? And I've seen people miraculously healed, touched. I've prayed for people and God's worked a miracle. And I go, that wasn't me. That was God. Because he gets the glory. I'm standing here. I should be dead. I had stage four cancer. But it was because of the prayers of the saints and people. And my wife and I just began to pray and believe God, God. And, and, and every time I would find someone that was sick, you know what I did? I prayed for them. I began to go, if I pray for them, maybe God in his mercy I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow healing in people's lives and maybe I'll reap healing in my own life. Does that make sense? Because I believe this. Hurting people know how to reach hurting people. People that are forgiven can forgive people. People that have been healed can heal people. I believe that. Not you, but the Jesus in you to believe for that. Are you hearing me? And I have had so many stories of what God has done. And see, when I think about that, you got to, you know, take bigger risks. When we got this building, I remember going and we were in the back where the back door is. And me and Harry prayed. We were looking for a building because I was driving back and forth, going to Jennings and then coming back here and preaching. And I'd have the band meet me here. And we'd had two services. Pastor Josh would preach. Sometimes Jamie would preach in Jennings while I was coming here or Zach, whoever. And I remember that, but I remember praying in that back door and we praying, God, we just pray. If this is where you want us to be, just open up. And I remember just praying and Harry Gomes looked at me. He looks at me, Pastor Baba, it's your building. Ha ha. And then we left. I go, thank you. You see, 
But I remember when we came to this point, Jamie knows, he, he was an elder. He still is. And we got to the point, we were ready to build in Jennings. And we, you know what we did? We just said, you know what? We're pushing all our chips right into the middle of the table. When we need to grow and build, God, you've called us to be here. And we did that. And today, listen to me, because Jennings was able to extend faith to believe for Eunice, we've grown. Our building was paid cash, our sanctuary, our new sanctuary, when the time came. And then when, when Eunice and Jennings got together to believe that we were going to start Crowley, and we all pulled our resources together and began to believe, God began to grow both campuses. Jennings is about to go to three campuses, three services. I mean, and, and you're in two services, and, and, and they're building a new building. I'm believing for this corner right here, right here, right here. I'm believing for this corner lot. Amen? Amen. I'm believing one day we'll own it all. And if we don't get the corner lot, God's going to give us something bigger than we've all dreamed about. Because I've talked to your, your pastor, Jamie, he goes, man, I'm believing bigger. I go, praise God. Well, let's get the corner, then we can sell it all and get bigger. Then anyway, because look, I'm not sold on a location Are you hearing me? We got to be willing to go, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? You see, and I know this, in order for things to happen, you got the the second to last thing, you got to learn to do the unusual. What do you mean? God only moves supernaturally when you do the unusual. God moves when you do the unusual. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Remember the girl that was caught in adultery in the Bible? And they're all, they're all picking up stones, and they're about to stone her. That doesn't mean they were fixing to pass a joint, and they were all getting stoned together. What they were doing is they were picking up stones, and they were going to stone her, because that's what would happen. And you see, the Bible says they caught her in the very act. My question was, where was the man? Where was he? And remember, they're about to do this, and Jesus, just 30-something-year-old guys walks up, and all of a sudden, he just kind of bends down and he begins to write in the dirt, in the sand. He begins to write stuff. Some theologians said that he began to write the sins of every man that was there. I don't know that. That's just a guess. And they look at him and they said, Master, what do you have to say about this woman? And I love his response. Remember what he said? He who's without sin cast the first stone. Went back down and he began to write on the ground again. And one by one, they dropped their rocks and they left. Remember, he looked, he says, she, he looked at the girl and he goes, woman, where's your accusers? And he says, go and sin no more. You know, when you see someone in poverty, and you do something unusual, you feed them. You know, when you see someone, remember how about the guy that was blind in the Bible? And, and what happens is, is he's blind and Jesus comes up there. And if you know anything about people that have blind eyes, their eyes are very sensitive, very sensitive. And what happens is Jesus comes up there and, and they go to, go to pray for him. But he, what he does, he gets some mud and he begins to mix his spit. I mean, I don't know if you went, ah, and he mixes the mud. 
Hey, this is reality. Come on. We try to clean up religion. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he begins to get in that mud, and he gets that mud, and he puts it. He goes, hey, buddy, come here. They bring him over, and he puts that mud in his eye. Get some more in him. Imagine the guy on the other side. Oh. And then what he said, what did he say? He goes, go and wash your eyes. So you can imagine he's, bring me the water. Somebody bring me the water. You know, I can't see where I'm going. And he gets it and he starts. Oh, it burns. Golly. He starts washing the mud out. Whoa! Ah! Can you imagine how excited you would be? The first time you ever saw something? He was so excited. Jesus was willing to do the unusual. You see, I think about what we did a month and a half, two months ago when the flood came. I stood up in Jennings and said, we're not going to have church. We're not going to have church this morning. We're going to go be the church. And I remember Jamie called me. There's one lady been talking bad about him behind his back and around this area. And, and God, he goes, Pastor, what should I do? So you go minister to that lady. Go help them with their church. And he was like, oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> when we do the unusual, God does the supernatural. Remember the guy? <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't talk. The Bible says he stuttered. I used to have a guy in second grade when I went to eat Episcopal Day School in Lake Charles, and his name was Alan. His daddy was Judge Watson, okay? And I think he's a Supreme Court justice now, but I remember his son... He, he would stutter in class, second grade. And we go, they go, Alan, what, what, you know, teacher would say, what, what do you think? He got, and he'd have to hit his dad. My dad said, you know what Jesus did? He brought this guy that stuttered. They brought him before him. And the Bible says he put his finger in his mouth. Okay, he went. And he had the guy pull out his tongue. Come on, think about this ministry. And he put his finger in the guy's, put it on his tongue. He's gone. And he could speak. You see, when's the last time you did something unusual? See, you know why? You know why Jesus didn't heal people the same way every time? Because we'd be having mud pits and we'd be spitting on our fingers and putting in people's mouths. You see, something, I, when Jesus, you know, something was, uh, was unusual. There's something I want to talk to you about, that, something unusual that God did. And I'm going to go and I'm going to wrap it up. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. Now Solomon, who was actually David's son, Loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David, except that Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places was the worship was at Gibbon 
And so the king went there and sacrificed, listen to this, a thousand burnt offerings. If you, if you know anything about how they would bring sacrifices in the Old Testament, it was either one lamb, one goat, one cow, or turtle dove, if you couldn't afford any of those things. But a thousand burnt offerings. All he had to do was offer one, but he brought a thousand. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. See, the norm was one burnt offering. Usually God tells us what he wants us to do for him. Amen? But see, God God comes in this. It's unusual because the unusual sacrifice, God asked Solomon, he says, what can I do for you? Isn't that amazing that God would want to do something for you? You see, two years later, they're dedicating the temple in 1 Kings and the king of all of Israel with his with him, offered sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering. This is when they were dedicating the temple. Listen to this, of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all of Israel dedicated the temple. of. They made 144,000 sacrifices. How many of you know that was a bloody scene? How many of you know, like, dang, that's a lot of hamburger meat, a lot of sirloins, a lot of ribeyes, but they were dedicating their best to the Lord. You see, some of you need to get a plan to do the unusual and offering something that you know that God's telling you to give and telling you to be a part of. When you give an unusual sacrifice, God shows up. This last month, I preached three times. I'd come back from England and Albania, and I preached in Jennings. I came here one time, and I preached in Jennings like three different times, and Josh preached once. And I talked about where actually this morning they're taking a miracle offering there right now this morning. We asked them to pray. And I just talked about, you know, when you, I think I shared it, when you do the natural, God does the super and puts it, the super to make it supernatural. The only, God can put super on the natural. And... And I began to speak, and when it happened, we got a check for $55,000 given to the church for the building that we didn't even know was coming in from a source we had forgotten about. I mean, that's a good thing to happen. Then a lady said, Pastor, I need to come and talk to you. I said, come on. And she says, you know, Pastor, this, I'm going to tell you the truth. Because if... I know where there's some lying pastors, and if you want to go, I'll tell you where you can go, but I'm, I try to tell the truth. Okay, y'all get it later, but anyway. And she came to me, and she said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And she says, you know, that message that you and Pastor Josh have given the last couple of weeks, well, God's been speaking to me. Because, see, my husband died a year and a half ago, and he never really tithed in our church that we went to. He thought that if he would just do something for the church or help the church here and there, he said that was his tithe because he grew up poor. She said, I never agreed with him, but he was my husband, so I did what he wanted to do. But, pastor, when he died, I didn't realize this. My banker, who was a guy in our church, he came to me and he says, you know, your husband had another business and there's $300,000 in your account. She said, Pastor, when he told me that first thing, I'm going to tell you the truth, Pastor, I was pissed. 
Then I thought about, wait a minute. God, you've been speaking to me, and this is the right moment at the right time that this has all happened. And today I'm here to give the church for the building a $30,000 cashier's check for the building. And she said, in fact, we have a bunch of property, and when we sell that, I'm going to tithe off of that too. See, I believe this. When you do the unusual and you do the sacrificing, God shows up. And the last thing, you need to have a vision of the finish line. See, Douglas MacArthur, who was one of the greatest generals in our history, said there's, there's, there's two things that we all see. We all see the sunrise and we all see the sunset. And a lot of people are living in the sunrise, but they never look at the sunset. And say, I believe this. I think about Peter when he saw Jesus dying on the cross. Peter had visions of Jesus setting up his kingdom. Now, Peter sees his dream and his desires being defeated while Jesus dying on the cross. His dream was being shattered like glass. And remember what Peter did? He went back to fishing. He got discouraged. He forgot what Jesus had told him. I believe this. There's people here this morning. There may be some of you this morning. You've had a dream. But you feel like it's been dropped. And it's feel like it's shattered glass. It could be your marriage. Pastor, you just don't know where I'm at in my marriage. It could be with your children. It could be in a circumstance. It could be your business. What do you do? What do you do? What you live for. It's just disappeared. Can I tell you? Look at me. You can start dreaming again. What do you mean, Pastor Bible? You know, I have people that are not here in this earth anymore, but they still speak to me. My grandmother, who was the patriarch in my family, still speaks. My daddy, he's been dead now for, I don't know, uh, 20-something years. Can't. 25, my wife's going 25, 25, but he still speaks to me. You understand me? Same with you. And sometimes for us is, you know, what do you do when it disappears? I want to, I want to just pray for you and, and that all of you, I want, I want you to leave a legacy that you see the sunset. You know, you can be young, but there's a sunset coming. I'm 57 years old. The sunset's getting closer. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. You know, the Bible says, how, you know, they say young men dream, have visions, and young, old men, what do they do? Huh? Dream dreams. I, you know what? I still, I'm still young. I'm still seeing visions. Are you hearing me? But my vision's not just for me anymore. My vision's for Jamie, for Josh, for Zach, and the other campuses that we're going to start, and people that are walking in our churches. Are you hearing me? Look at me. Look at me. Because here's the thing, guys. I want to pray that, that you can leave a legacy and your dream won't die. You see, maybe you have a dream for your marriage and things aren't going right. Maybe you have a dream for your children. Maybe you have a dream for this church. Maybe there's just dreams that you had in business and it just doesn't seem like it's happening. Or think you've been discouraged by things or events that have taken place. You just got to pass through. Press through, I mean. Not pass through, press through. 